everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. Thanks for listening in. The same things as always. Please let me know if you have a query, want to know how to get involved, or just want to say hi via the comments. And also my email is anya.2008 at icloud.com in case you want to message me privately. All right then, without further ado, let's dive right in. The main concerning global issues today are education, environment, science, and humanity, as stated from the prestigious Rodenberry Award website. Gene Roddenberry was a producer and television screenwriter best known for Star Trek. Don't worry if you haven't heard of it. I hadn't heard of it either, though your parents probably have. He founded the Roddenberry Foundation and Award. So here is a little insight to the award. The Roddenberry Prize seeks to highlight work by organisations for greater impact and support them in their further journey, as well as to inspire other people to come up with creative and innovative ideas to tackle leading world problems. Annually, four, four awards of $250,000 are given to organisations working in the above-mentioned categories, education, environment, science and humanity. Today, I'm super excited to present to you Sumit Jamwar, founder of the Global Gene Corp, who are the winners of this year's Rodenberry Prize for Science Award. A warm welcome to you, Sumit. Welcome to my show. Thank you so much for joining us today. A huge congratulations. Before we start, a polite reminder that our audience is a slightly younger age group. So if possible, could you please answer in a simplified manner? Uh, Anya, thank you so much for your warm welcome. Um, it, is, it is truly my pleasure to be here. And uh, it's always really exciting to be talking to the next generation who are going to make such a positive impact on our world. Thank you for inviting me. No, thank you so much for coming. So we're just going to get right in with the questions. So the first question is, what was it like winning the award? What was your reaction when you received the news? Uh, I was um, and am still really excited and humbled by the recognition. Uh, it is a great recognition for the work that the team has been doing and for our partners who've been working with us um, in terms of this, uh, uh, in terms of the work that we do. Uh, yeah. Personally, it's very exciting because Gene Roddenberry uh, was a visionary and uh, as you rightly said, you know, uh, our, my generation grew up on, on, on Star Trek. And I remember every Sunday, uh, you know, cramming in front of the neighbor's television in a black and white TV set to see how uh, when Star Trek would come. Because what Gene imagined was, uh, was a world which was technologically driven, having a positive impact on humanity and the universe. And it was a fair and inclusive world. And so to be recognized by his foundation is, is, is a true honor. And we are we are humbled. No, uh, I, I can. So thank you for your congratulations. No, I can imagine that must have been super exciting. So, to our audience, could you please give a quick overview and um, explanation of what genetics actually is? So genetics is the science of understanding and interpreting what is uh, the instructions that are stored in our DNA. Uh, and so the way to think about the DNA is that it is like the book of life, which contains the, which the instruction manual for each of us individually and is highly personalized uh, and, and built from and inherited from our parents. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's a wonderful explanation. Thank you. So could you please tell us a bit about the composition and structure of DNA? Yes. So the DNA, as you would have seen in a graphic representation, is represented like a double helix. And it is made up of, uh, of four building blocks, adenine, thymine, cytosine, and guanine. Uh, 
and commonly referred to as the four letters A, T, C, and G. Now, the unique property of the DNA is that A will always bind to T in the double helix and C will always bind to G. And there are three, and each of these pairing is called a base pair. And there are three, just over three billion base pairs in every human's DNA. These um, are organized across uh, just over 20,000 genes, uh, which are again organized across 23 pairs of chromosome. As you would uh, recall from a biology lesson, one one set of those um, are inherited from a mother and one set of that is inherited from a, from a father. Uh, and that it, double helix uh, structure is, is a structure of the DNA. Now, if you think about it, the DNA, imagine it's a, like a long coiled rope. That's what a DNA is and it's in every cell of, 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 our, of our body. And if you stretch it across, it's about two meters long, but rolled up inside the cell, it's only about 0.6 micron in terms of diameter. Yeah. So that's the sort of visualization of the DNA. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about Global Gene Corp and what you do? So, you know, g- genetics is hugely important. And the reason it is important is because imagine you are able to understand the instructions that are coded in your gene. Uh, imagine the possibilities of what you can do with it in terms of keeping ourselves healthy, in terms of you know uh, being able to make a life um, as productive as possible. And what is really fascinating about genetics is, you know, uh, the question we always ponder over is, uh, in our work at Global Gene Corp, is can we make seventy the new forty? Because 40 is the time when people, 40 years is the time when people start experiencing sustained deterioration uh, in, in terms of our health trajectory. Yeah. And the question is, can we use genetics to make that happen? So our work at Global Gene Corp is about realizing the promise of genetics. And, so, and that's the work we do. Yeah. So how are you doing this? So you were talking about how you want to make 70 the new 40 and you want to... Um, obviously make people experience underlying not health conditions but change in bodies at around the age of 70 um, like in a personalized genetic experience so how are you doing this how are you going to provide such an experience sure so look genetics is already revolutioning uh, revolutionizing our world but there is a fundamental challenge in genetics because on one hand we are saying um, I will be personalizing my life experience or Anya will be personalizing her life experience based on her genetic makeup. Uh, For that experience, I need to understand what a so-called good Anya would look like. But currently, there's a huge data bias where almost 80% of the entire insight that we have and the data that we have in genetics comes from people of European ancestry which means people from Asia, Africa, Latin America are left out. Left. There is not enough understanding. So if I were to even look at the DNA for, and, and try to draw insights for Anya, I'd only be able to do a limited amount. And that is the problem that we are, we are solving. So what we're doing is we're mapping and organizing the world's genomic diversity so that we can enable uh, better understanding of subpopulations and better understanding of diseases. Uh, so that every person can have a high-quality life and healthy life and enjoy the longevity benefits that come with it, irrespective of where you live yeah, irrespective of where you come from. And so just to summarize, what you're doing is 
you're giving a personalized health experience to everyone because everyone's genetic is unique. So medicine may not work for a particular person because they have different genetics. So you're trying to personalize medicine so everyone can live a long and fulfilled life. Uh, absolutely. So what we're doing is, you know, this obviously we're working in partnership with people across the ecosystem, whether it's healthcare providers, uh, that includes doctors, hospitals, etc., whether it includes industry around uh, people who are creating new therapeutics, uh, or it is on the delivery side of it. So we are one component of this overall ecosystem. So the way to think about us is that infrastructure piece, which will which will allow people to be able to deliver that personalized experience to the to the uh, end participant and person. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how long do you think it will take to achieve a place in as because currently, um, this is obviously, it is the case somewhat, but not completely when we don't have a personalized genetic experience for everybody. But how long do you think it will take to achieve this? So some of it is already happening, mm. right? So if you look at certain uh, therapeutic areas like cancer, where the, without genetics, it's almost, um, you know, it was a well-known study which came out which said almost three out of four people uh, oncology drugs as a drug class were ineffective in terms of participants. That's a huge number, three out of four, yeah. right? Whereas when you look at the what you call the molecular profiling which, with genetics, uh, the success rate shoots up where you're able to personalize the treatment for that individual, leading to higher success rates and, um, and, and, and being able to manage the disease in a, in, a, in a more controlled manner. There's still a lot of work to be done, but we're already seeing a lot of benefits right now. Yeah. On the other hand, I would expect that over the next five to ten years, and definitely in the lifetime of this generation, uh, who's the audience for this podcast, uh, I think we are we are seeing some fundamental changes. And when we look back now, uh, uh, we we would consider we we would be amazed by the transformation that has taken place in in terms of healthcare as well as the experience that that we have in terms of our personal lives. We're seeing the impact right now in terms of COVID, right? We are suffering through a pandemic. And when you think about the changes that are happening, genetics has been central to driving for um, a treatment or a vaccine or even diagnostic of, uh, of, of COVID. And so it has become from a scientific uh, concept to mainstream. Because every day in the press, uh, we are reading about how genetics is playing a vital role uh, and having a positive impact in our fight against the pandemic. Yep. Um, yeah. So just a quick last part about that. You explained that really well. Um, how much do you think it will cost uh, to do this? So, you know, it, right now, if you think about the cost, uh, what the original human genome project costed, you know, and uh, Welcome Genome Campus in Cambridge was one of of the places where the Human Genome Project happened between 1990 to 2003, uh, and where our R&D center is based of Global Gene Corp. Um, It costed $2.7 billion. 
right wow, now yeah. uh, so to convert the biological information in your dna into machine readable books of life it costed 2.7 billion dollars yeah. and now it cost a few hundred dollars oh, so wow you know 15 years hence just over 15 years hence we are already millions of times cheaper in terms of cost and that you, cost you, is going to continue you, um, to plummet do you think quickly that's because of the availability of technology now before it used to be something very rare and now um I, you can buy pieces of technology for like you said a couple of hundred dollars absolutely yeah. i think it's it's been it's been all the work uh in terms of the sequencing technology has been absolutely phenomenal yeah when you come when you combine that with uh the other revolution which has happened in terms of uh, artificial intelligence machine learning you know ai machine learning is 30 is a million times better over the last 30 years and it's expected to be a million times better in the next 30 years and when you combine those two things these these the convergence of these two mega themes and technologies is having a very positive disruptive change across industries so i would expect that um, as we're seeing in covid that the treatment paradigm is fundamentally changing and this will be affordable as we reach out to the masses once we create at global gene corp the work that we are doing uh, along with others as we create that foundation that this will be accessible and affordable uh, for every person on the planet and yeah. that is what drives us because of the rapidly um, evolving technology yeah technology and the cost curve yeah i mean this is faster than uh, the 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 price coming down is faster than you know what used to be called moore's law in the past uh and when you look at the moore's law curve where the price price versus performance uh versus the uh, versus what we're seeing in genetics it's uh, it's absolutely stunning yeah um so now moving on to slightly more scientific questions uh regarding genetics in our well-being what's more important our habits or genetics Well, I think that's a question that uh, is being pondered by a lot of people. So the way to think about it is, uh, I would say, is if you think about genetics as the is what you inherit, what is passed on, right? And yeah. when you carry in the environmental factors, that factors into uh, something called epigenetics. Uh, and if you if you and it's a combination of the two which has an impact on your health, um, you know, along with uh, factors such as microbiome. uh and for me i mean those are the three main pillars of what is defining our health and what happens to our health so it's a great question i i think it's a it's a combination i don't think um uh, you know if you ask certain set of people they will have a certain bias but i think uh, we we are discovering what what uh, uh what uh, role different parties play uh, but genetics think of it as what is inherited and if you think of the environmental factor that plays a role in let's say the epigenetics which is what elements of the genes are switched on or switched off um, and we are still working towards understanding that mechanism better yes no yeah that makes sense so it's a combination so just because you have a very healthy genetic doesn't mean that you can um have like be really like have a lot of sugar and you'll be completely fine or live an unhealthy lifestyle because that will end up impacting you yeah so next question um What is a clinical geneticist and what are they trained to do that is different from a regular doctor? So the clinical geneticist is um uh is a person who is super specialized in the area of understanding the genetic results and then um provide liaising with the 
patient to explain to them what the result is and then uh, working with them towards modification of the treatment plan delivered from that insight. They're typically someone uh, who a consultant or a doctor or clinician who's looking after you will refer to, uh, who will then engage with the participant to explain the, 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 uh, uh, the diagnosis as well as the insights from, from that genetic result. Uh, what that means is, you know, there are, of course, specialization of people who are doing, uh, you know, cancer genetics or pediatric genetics or pharmacogenomics genetics. Um, and, you know, pharmacogenomics is a very interesting field where uh, you can, you are a- increasingly able to predict based on the genetic makeup, which drugs are suitable for you or not, which means that you can personalize the whole treatment plan. And they're a very valuable part of the ecosystem and they are uh, going to be critical uh, for us to deliver. Uh, the clinical geneticists will be critical for us to deliver the true power of, uh, of genetics-driven medicine uh, to deliver precision healthcare for all. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, so a clinical geneticist is not like a scientist, for example, like they still work in a lab like a doctor, and it's just like, for example, an orthodontist and a dentist, a dentist, refers you to an orthodontist so that for example or like a gp a gp is working in a general um like they're a general practitioner they look at like a general or if you go for a teeth cleaning then if you need something specific done they refer you to a specialist doctor so a clinical doctor is basically a clinical geneticist is basically like that well absolutely they're super specialized it's like a gp referring or a consultant referring it could be another specialized consultant who refers you to the uh, to a clinical geneticist and many clinical geneticists are actually at the leading edge in terms of research as well because they're trying to fundamentally understand the impact of of, of genes um, on our health uh, because there's so much to be discovered yeah. uh, this is a really exciting area and there are you know, discoveries which are there to be made. To give you an example, we have found that so far 4,000 diseases are driven by genetics. And every year we are adding another 200 diseases which are linked to to, to genetics, which are being discovered. So that's the trend and that trend oh, wow. will only accelerate further. So do you think in future you're trying to um, reduce the trend? How, how are you going to do that? Because like you're saying, and 200 diseases um, are getting added on each year. So how are you going to conquer that and reduce the trend? So make sure that it is more like a decreasing trend. Well, the first step to any any uh, treatment starts with diagnosis. And to be able to put the characterization as well as what's driving it is the starting point at which you can start, uh, first of all, um, explaining to the patient what is happening and then working with the patient towards a towards a plan uh, because there'll be many other patients who, who will have that so um, you would expect what genetics is doing is is understand helping us understand and characterize that and then move that forward yeah yeah so how do scientists figure out what gene controls the trait so for example how do they correlate a specific um, gene to, for example, sorry, uh, for example, if they see a gene, how do they say, oh, this determines eye color, or this determines hair color? Like, how do they know? So, uh, you know, it's like every classic, you know, it's a typical traditional scientific methodologies where you take a case, which is people 
to display a certain characteristic and then and the, and the underlying data behind it which is genetics driven and otherwise um, and you take uh, another set of participants who do not exhibit that trait what controls uh, but you know have everything else similar and what you then do is through analysis try to find which areas are different and once those areas are identified or, or what i would call as a signal and you know take out the noise associated associated with with the characterization uh, and that then is rigorously tested as a hypothesis um and once that hypothesis is proven um you know you have an insight in terms of which bit of uh, of a particular gene or a uh, uh which gene and which bit of that gene or what variant controls the 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 aspects of it so that's the uh, is the scientific methodology that you would see in the experiments that you do even in in the labs right now as, as you go into um in, in school it's the continuation of that scientific process which allows us to to find the signal for what is causing a particular change uh and um and, and take it forward Okay so to make this slightly simpler for our viewers what you're trying to say is that you would compare two people who have um for example the exact same thing but not not everyone has different genetics but for example two people who look very similar but then one person has a condition another person doesn't and then looking at their genetics you can compare is that what you're trying to say Yes so look I think everyone has a different genetics right that's the that's the important point about genetics is everyone has a so all of us vary by somewhere between 1 to 3 million points um from another individual yeah now in the overall scheme of things uh you know when you look at 3 billion that seems like a very small number but those small numbers can define uh the difference in terms of our impact the impact it has on it has on our lives yeah. uh so uh, so i uh, but what you have said in a simplified way is exactly that is to you, you find people who are very similar in characteristic Uh, but have a different manifestation, and then you try to find out the difference, and then make sure that there's enough, um, you know, scientific rigor to be able to prove that hypothesis that it's not it's not a coincidence, yeah, but it's something is which is which 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 has the right scientific rigor uh, to stand the test of uh, of uh, um, uh, you know scientific questioning. And to add to this, uh, before like um, possibly in the two thousands or just ten twenty years before, it would have been a lot harder. to what to put to what this uh situation out to what gene control the trait but do you think because of the ever evolving technology it's played a huge role in making it easier to correlate the gene to the trait because you have different tests that you can now do and technology has allowed it has allowed us to be able to do this in labs whereas 10 to 20 years ago this would have been a matter of educated guesses and trial and error Look, they, they, you know, being inspired uh, on creating the hypothesis is, you know, always been uh, an important aspect of the scientific query. And you are correct that, you know, over the last twenty uh, years and what we are seeing now in terms of the improvement in the tools for us to be able to do the analytics, whether it is big data uh, uh, or artificial intelligence and machine learning. all that is really valuable and when you start with the right underlying data foundation which is for example what we are building at global gene corp uh, in terms of making sure that we have a representation of every population uh, uh, and for diseases um uh, you know that's what accelerates the whole discovery process so you you're correct i mean the, the, that and that is what makes it so exciting when you think of it from a school perspective and from people who are looking to see what next where do they go where do they invest their time uh why genetics 
and related fields are so uh, so important uh, uh, because in, in my view this is this is the century of of uh, of, gene- of genomics yeah. uh, and that's that's what we're going to be looking forward to yeah so what what's the best thing about your job working with genetics well I, you know uh, it's fascinating so first is uh, I work with great people yeah. I mean, these are really accomplished people who are at the cutting edge in their field, uh, and you know, at who also have affiliated with some of the most amazing institutions where they're driving science forward. Uh, the second aspect is, you know, we are solving uh, problems at at the cutting edge. We are trying to build insights in things um, uh, where. Uh, where our spirit and sense of curiosity is allowing us to explore and understand how human beings work and how diseases work and what that impact will be on human human lives in a much more forthcoming manner. Yeah. And the third thing is we have fun because life has to be about we need to enjoy ourselves working with people who are similarly minded but also have a purpose about what we are trying to do. Yeah. And having fun is, is really critical to anything that we do. Yeah. So that's what makes my job exciting. I'm... I'm, uh, I work with some really smart people who are very gracious uh, to explain to me uh, when I ask them questions and that ability to ask questions and um, to have the answers. And sometimes to be told we don't know, but this is what we could try to understand that better is, uh, is, is very exciting. Yeah, no, definitely. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so what kind of jobs do you think will be available involving genetics for us basically um teens and young people in the future um when genetics gets revolutionized what what kind of jobs do you think will be available i i know that's quite an open-ended question because you obviously don't have a time machine and you don't really know but if you look for example now a lot of people are saying there are going to be a lot more jobs available with ai in the future and a lot of jobs will be done by robots instead so just what's your view on this question? I obviously know it cannot be factual. Sure. So, look, we have gone through one revolution in my lifetime, right? So if you think about the impact that uh, the internet has had uh, from the 90s till now, it has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, most yeah. of the people, uh, you know, who are the audience would would not have seen what the world was without internet because yeah. it uh, versus the world, which is the fact that we are able to have uh, this call over the internet and all the facility that the fact that you're using tools like iPad to record this, this did not exist, right? And it's unimaginable that it, ha- it was only a couple of decades ago that all these things started coming to fruition. So yeah, sometimes yeah. in technology, you cannot visualize, but the transformation is fundamental and it can empower individuals. What we're seeing now is uh, is imagine the, what that has led to is it created the foundation for the genomic revolution, which, as I said, is this is the century for genomics. And it is amazingly exciting because if you're an idealistic, uh, a curious person who wants to have a positive impact on humanity and the world around us, uh, this is a very attractive proposition because imagine you have so many questions that you can answer. You can leave a mark. You can discover things. You can make it. You can create a difference in people's lives by using the scientific spirit and the um, and the 
expertise and the skills that you gather through the school as well as through the training that you have in college um, in terms of these fields, this is opening up for the job to the future. Yeah. So, uh, so when you combine all these aspects, uh, this is where the jobs of the future are. This is where entrepreneurs of the future are going to be. This is where the science of the future is going to be. Yeah. This is where, what is happening now. And it's not just that we have to wait for the future to happen. It's happening now. And in five, ten years' time, we will see things that we couldn't even imagine. And that is what makes it so exciting because each one of you will be involved in making a difference because you're right at the cutting edge where there's a combination of different, different fields that's coming together, that true yeah. convergence, which will impact uh, every human's life. And yeah, no, like you were saying about the internet, the revolution of the internet, it wasn't, it was something super exciting that happened. But looking back on it now, we think, oh, you know, we take it for granted and we use it every single day without thinking about how it must have, how it must have been, you know, created and how much work would have gone into it. And now it's such a big part of our life. That's what might happen with genetics is that it's, like you said, we're at a cutting edge where we're discovering more and more about it with science and medicine. And we're going to get to a point where it's going to be such a huge part of our lives. We're not even going to think about this stage. Uh, absolutely. It's not, it might, it will happen. Yeah. That's, that's my, that's my thesis. And um, this question, I guess, is kind of linking to what you said. Um, what is, it's again, another open-ended question. I think you've kind of explained it about how you're saying that what we're going, we what we want to achieve in the future. But what is the holy grail for genetics? What? Yeah. So, what is the holy grail for genetics? Yeah, so the holy grail is look. How can we make seventy the new forty, right? Uh, in terms of age and in terms of the quality of life that we enjoy, and if, by that basis, can we make one twenty the new eighty, right? In terms of the longevity and the years that we have, uh, how can we personalize the life experience so that we can benefit? Um, it, it, with maximum level of productivity, doing the things that we that that we truly enjoy, and how can we shift the paradigm right now? Which is, I fall sick, and then I see a doctor who treat who is able to treat the symptom to a point where, based on my genetic uh, insights that I have, yeah. uh, how can I live a life that I don't even fall sick? I have I I stay well, yeah. and it's moving that that thought process from. Uh, falling sick and getting treatment to beings to staying well and continuing to do that uh, yeah. to have a, to have the productive life and I think that is the that is the holy grail of genetics and that's why going back to what we're doing is to create that foundational piece where we have insight in terms of working with different partners uh, who are like-minded where we have the foundational piece of being able to deliver that experience to everyone everywhere uh, must be a rewarding is, experience is a critical is a really critical critical piece to this thing so yeah. that that for me is the is, is the is the is is uh uh is, is the vision yeah no that that makes sense and also the uh like you're saying it's we that like looking at genetics we can make it like end so much suffering for so many people um by looking at people's genetics we can determine if they're likely and what's the probability that they all fall sick and try and do things to stop that and stop people falling ill with even minor things in the first place. So first we're looking at major things. But yeah, I think, yeah, that's, 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 it seems like a far-fetched goal, but I think it's probably, it sounds quite achievable. 
So, Anya, I would say that and it, the important thing is it's a probability. Remember, genetics is a probability. Yeah. Right. So as you understand the probabilities and then you have, you know, we had the discussion. So the important thing is to understand that. And uh, it's not a far-fetched goal in, in the way that yeah. I would say things are already happening. Right. So all it will do is it will accelerate. And but we are we are literally scratching at the surface of the uh, of what's happening in the, in, with, with genomics yeah. and what is going to happen going forward. Yeah. So yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So now moving on to our last two questions. How is genetics relevant to the younger population? And why should um, I, for example, or we as a young people care about genetics? How, how, yeah, how, how does it um, affect us and how will it affect us in our future? Well, it's, as I said, it's the jobs of the future. It's the skills of the future. It's, it's about you know, purpose to life about how you shape, you know, how you're going to use your energy, your skills and your experience and your training uh, to create a positive impact. And what is hugely impressive of every young person I've spoken to is how committed everyone is about making a positive difference. So I think genetics and the fact that you're going to solve a problem which is fundamental to every human being is a very attractive proposition. Uh, and uh, and it will not only is it attractive from a you know from a from from a personal values perspective, but it's also uh, building and delivering rewarding careers of doing the stuff that you enjoy, uh, but also being rewarded for it um, and recognized for it. So I think I you know I would not be surprised that this is something which is uh, of uh, uh, of high priority to many of the people of this generation because I'm looking forward to this generation actually um, helping us accelerate and realize the promise of genetics yeah. uh, and, and, and delivering, delivering the genomic century. And also, there's not going to be a sudden change if we don't have um, a willing generation. For example, if no one did anything in genetics or no one did anything, how would that revolution happen? You need to have a generation of people who are interested and into genetics who actually take up the job because um, for a revolution to happen and for this to reach a stage where you can look at someone's genetics and prevent them from getting ill, you need people to get into genetics to, um, to, to, for, for this to happen. So, yeah, we all need to play a part in making the, the, the revolution of genetics something that's real. And you will. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Thank you, too. Why should someone study genetics? And if someone t- chose to study it, what would your advice be? I think the advice, uh, you know, um, would be um, three things. If you're interested, first of all, um, is being aware of genetics and the impact it has. And, you know, there's so much information. There's so many things happening. Having a critical view and trying to build up that background knowledge is important. The second thing which is needed is skills. Uh, so, you know, focus on uh, on the skills, particularly science, maths, computing skills. Yeah. Uh, because uh, the world going forward is it's a combination. It's not just about one thing, but it's a combination. And then you specialize uh, to build deeper because that's what the genomic revolution is doing. It's bringing biology, physics, uh, chemistry, and uh, and computing sciences all together to and, have an impact. And being and, street and, smart, just knowing and having the ability to to try new things because the world of genetics, though we're going to hopefully reach a stage where 
it's all very simple at it's right now we're at a cutting edge so there are many different routes we can take and there are many different um opportunities and routes we can go down and explore so at, at this point it's it's a very open stage you know you you're not just going to get the answer straight away genetics is something where you have to infer and make educated choices and sometimes guesses and i imagine you've probably made lots of mistakes and learned from them so it not it doesn't happen instantly so you need to have an open mindset and a positive mindset no matter what because you're going to encounter lots of challenges absolutely and, and I, i would say a sense of curiosity yeah right? so you need to be curious about the problem and keep you know uh, uh, basically persist on solving that and you know you've mentioned something really important it's we will um, you know we will make mistakes we yeah. will have the hypothesis which we felt was very strong which turns out to be not true and we will fail yes okay and it's really important that we realize that it's important to recognize we don't know and that we don't know a lot of things and we're trying to find the answers to that and the second thing is that it's okay to fail because failure and and building on that failure is what then delivers success uh and it's 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 a and you know when you combining your curiosity what that does is is um, it, you know that's what will make uh, this generation and uh in an iterative way successful i mean that's what some of the best thinkers and uh, successful scientists have done and successful entrepreneurs have done so yeah. it's just accepting that failures happen accepting mistakes happen accepting that uh, you know as you are going into the unknown there will be a decision that you have to make with uh uns- with not enough data uh but it's having that ability to do that with the curiosity and using your skills in the right way and the general aptitude about about the impact that you want to have um and and the field that you choose is really critical so thank you for pointing that out yes all right thank you so much once again for t- for taking the time to come and educate myself and the audience on the truly fascinating subject of genetics and a bit about your incredible organization. Congratulations and thanks once again. We all learned something new.